Welcome to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the latest leadership news, tips, and strategies. I'm your host, Mike Sipple Jr., co-founder and the CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute, best-selling author, speaker, and podcaster. The Unconventional Leadership Podcast boldly tackles the top-of-mind issues leaders face daily. Through insightful interviews with experts from various industries and backgrounds, we unpack the skills, traits, and mindsets crucial for effective leadership in today's world. Whether you're a seasoned leader seeking to stay ahead of the curve or aspiring to develop the skills and insights to succeed, the Unconventional Leadership Podcast has something for you. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo and explore what it means to be an unconventional leader. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I have the distinct honor to be back in the studio with Becky Sheeler, Executive Vice President at Centennial Executive Search. Uh, Becky, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mike. It is definitely my pleasure to be here with you today. So, Becky, the last time you and I were together, I think, was around episode 111. Um, so it's awesome to have this conversation. A lot has changed since episode 111, uh, being about two and a half years ago. Um, for those of you who do not know Becky, I have the distinct honor and pleasure to uh, be coming up on 15 years of Becky and I working at Centennial together. Uh, Becky runs kind of internal operations, creating raving fan-worthy experiences, delivering with excellence, building our team, creating a culture over at Centennial, and representing uh, countless organizations around the United States and beyond. Um, it's a real pleasure to uh, be able to say I've spent the last 15 years invested with Becky to build a great organization, To for her to be able to even support me in the work that we've done here with Talent Magnet. Becky, I remember when you and I were in a uh, conference room on the first floor of our last office building, and we kept coming up with this asterisk on our strategic plan about identifying ways to provide greater value to the organizations we serve, which for those of you who know um, our core values and culture at Centennial and Talent Magnet, that's basically what birthed the idea that is now the Talent Magnet Institute. Um, so Becky, thank you for being on this crazy journey of leadership and growth together. Thanks, Mike. It's funny, just as you did that intro, a couple key words stood out. And number one was team. I mean, I feel like I'm Honored to be in this position today because I've surrounded myself with a great team and learned from everyone on that team. I think also you talked about a lot has changed and it absolutely has changed. The market's changed, the environment's changed, the world has changed. And if um, we, you didn't set up, you and um, uh, the Centennial team didn't put in place guardrails yet play within these boundaries and be flexible and learn and trust and try, um, we couldn't have uh, been able to be where we are today. So I really appreciate the flexibility and the change that we allow ourselves. And then it's all built on great values of trust and respect. So a lot um, to unpack in just your introduction. So thanks. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Becky, one of the things that I thought would be helpful um, as we talk about culture and core values, um, I was reading an article recently that was referencing cultural fitness. Um, and it was a study put out by the Institute of Corporate Productivity. Um, and they were sharing like the um, toxic traits of cultures, like a reference, a frequency of mentioned words when you interact with companies that would you could classify as toxic versus those that are classified as fit, fit and healthy cultures. So again, it was an article on culture fitness. Um, some of the words that resonated on the um, fit side were, um, they, they saw in the research that it was seven times more likely in a fit culture that they would reference employee focused. It was six times more likely that they would reference inclusive six times more likely that they would reference quality, five times more likely it would be reference learning, and four times more likely that both innovative and collaborative um, would be referenced as well. Uh, what has been your experience, Becky, when you're working with teams and companies and leaders that create fit cultures, and um, including the kind of culture that you create as a leader, um, do any of those words stand out and, and resonate with you? Well, I think it goes back to early learnings. Um, you know, if you treat your employees right, they're going to know what good looks like and they're going to treat their customers that way. So it's a very simple, you get, you treat others the way you get treated quite often. So that's so important. I think the quality of what we produce is extremely important so that I can feel good about going to work every day. All of those values are certainly build a strong um, foundation. And I also like uh, cultural fitness too, is there wasn't any negative words in there, but I like this, well, what if you could? So it really forces your employees to think about the future and not the way things are today, because we know things are going to change. I mean, we've seen it change so rapidly, but start twisting that about what if, what about, how could you? So again, removing barriers and stretching people's minds to think differently. So Becky, one of the things that inspires me, there's many things about Becky Sheeler that inspires me, <laughs> but, um, and, uh, for those of you listening who know her probably going, yeah, me too. But one of the things that you have been so keen and focused on is the team, right? Creating a culture that's, um, and I'd like to break that down a little bit more. So when someone says like, I'm trying to learn how to manage team member effectiveness, I'm trying to really think about what it would feel like to have a quote unquote, more productive team. Um, some individuals would say, I really don't know what that means. Like I'm trying to break it down, but you know, could you share with our um, community, like what that means to you? What is team member effectiveness, team member engagement? Um, and what things have you implemented the last few years that have really brought the team together and kind of, you know, literally where we're working as one, we're partnering together, we're communicating more effectively and more often. So number one, I'll be quite honest with you, Mike, it's a work in progress. So I know here's how I behave. I know how I want to behave and acknowledging that there's a gap there. 
So I think the first thing that I work on all the time is trying to keep my mouth shut and reflect the question. Um, That was, again, something that I learned very early in my career. One of my mentors uh, to this day, 30 years later, I still stay connected with him, is, uh, you know, when I would come to him with a question, he would reflect that question back. He never answered the question. And I think that did a lot. It instilled confidence in me. And um, also, you get answers that you didn't think of. So um, I trying to not have all the answers is really important way to build up your team. Be a resource, but don't, don't have to have all the answers. I think um, engagement is creating an environment that is safe. That's one thing that, again, I've been blessed with all of the different places that I've worked, which is not a lot, um, two big, big moves. But um, I always felt safe saying what I thought we could do differently or better. And I never, sometimes I would drive home and go, oh my gosh, did I really just say that to the owner of the company? And I did. Um, And I never felt, (laughs) I just would question myself afterwards, but I never felt any retribution by any means. And quite often, two or three days later, that topic would be revisited because maybe it didn't sound right at the time, but somebody found value in it at a later time. So um, again, I felt safe bringing up things and I want my team to feel the same way and challenge me. And that's, I think we all say that, but really being willing to be challenged and say, gosh, you're right. I was wrong. Or that's a much better way or just take it and go with it. Fail fast um, and have fun. Uh, I think that um, communication is something else I'm always working on is what what is the outcome that I'm trying to get to and rethink that communication style that I usually fall back on really quick. So being very clear, humble, and motivating. You've got to have fun at work. I mean, people want to have fun. People want to work with people that they like. And I don't mean fun, like you don't have to have a party every day, but be able to laugh at ourselves and um, have a have a clear goal. And that's really helping our clients be, get, hire the right people. Yeah. Yeah. When you mention the, cause if I'm a manager and I go, okay, you just talked about, um, Becky referenced episode, I think it was 79, episode 79, where she sat down with her mentor, uh, Michael Glenn, and they got the opportunity to talk about, uh, leadership and stewardship and faith and, um, the value of listening and building into others. But if I'm sitting here going, yeah, but when I, when I know what we need to do, how do I involve people in a way that helps them feel included when I already have the answer as the manager? Like, or, and again, this is some of this is perception, right? That we all think like, oh, you know, especially early to mid career where it's like, well, I just, I just know the answer. Let's just get to it. Right. Um, but what have you learned about those questions and the way that you just described engaging your team, um, what are the ultimate fruit and outcomes of that that could be different if you just blazed the trail and made all decisions? Well, it's the same thing with brainstorming. We all know when we sit in a group and you throw a topic out and you brainstorm it, people 
jump on more that what you originally thought you were going to come out with is nine times out of 10, much, much better. And it's the same way. If I answer your question, um, certainly if the house is burning down, where's the door? I'm going to answer it. But, you know, there are times you have to just answer the question and figure it out and move on. But nine, uh, most of the time, have that dialogue. Well, what do you think? What's the pitfalls? What What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? So having that conversation and really be willing to reflect ask the question back and sit in silence. I think that's an art that is really hard to appreciate these days or implement these days because we live in such a fast world. It's okay to have silence. It's okay to let people process for a few minutes. As an employee, it's okay to go, that's a great question, let me get back to you. And it's the same with a manager. It's okay to have Time to think and reflect on it versus just feeling like you have to have all the answers right away. But the outcome is the employee gets to share something maybe they weren't in a position to share. A new idea comes up. You're really just in telling that employee you're really valuable and I want to hear your opinion instead of hearing myself speak. Mm -hmm. Becky, one of the recent interviews I had on one of our longtime friends and colleagues and customers, Mehmet um, uh, Yuksik, and um, I've always, always looked at the work that he was doing when he was leading with the great leadership team over at Prophetic NML USA. And he would tell me that the greatest innovations, one of the ways to evaluate the health of your culture and to evaluate the safety that you've created in your company is to identify where the greatest ideas are coming from. Because if they're all in the boardroom or all in the you know, ELT, executive leadership team meeting, um, you're probably not creating a real safe environment where people are, aren't afraid to raise their hand and ask questions and feel judged um, or evaluated um, by the questions that they're asking or the ideas they're bringing at the table. And he would mention that some of our greatest breakthroughs you know, in, in confections and candy and candy manufacturing um, are from people that are literally on the line watching something go down and thinking, has nobody ever brought this up? But, you know, there are times where we create in our organizations, the individuals executing day-to-day, -day, serving the customer closest, building the greatest product, delivering the cert the service closest to the end of um, the, you know, kind of the finish line, the finished product, they're seeing things that you and I might not have any idea of, right? And as a manager, as a leader, as a, whether you're um, a new supervisor or you're in the C-suite, identifying where your greatest ideas and breakthroughs are happening, that feedback is a great way to put a pulse on, are we creating an environment where people feel safe and valued and appreciated? Uh, which is what you referenced. Every time you would uh, knock on uh, Michael Glenn's door 30 years ago, um, he would he would ask a question and he would throw a question back out to you because it's not a matter of what he thinks. He knows that Becky Sheeler's on the front line doing the real work. So I need her to help process to come along with what she's experiencing, right? Right. Well, it. Yeah. And it made me think before I knocked on that door, I better have come with a couple solutions too. Uh, there you go. 
The other thing that um, we did, again, a long time ago was I was in learning and development, but I went back out and sat on the uh, and became an operations manager to stay connected to the business. And, um, you know, a lot of times we hire sales leaders that haven't been in front of the that haven't been in front of the customer because they get caught up doing the strategy. Well, if you're if you're creating strategy, but you haven't uh, you don't have the you know, you're not in front of the customer or you're hearing that diluted message, your your salespeople are. But maybe you need to be there, too. Um, then it's it can be in the wrong direction. So it's really yeah. important to be on the floor, to be in front of the customer, uh, to listen to your all levels of employees because they're all seeing ways that things can be done better. But you have to create an environment that allows them to tell you that. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the other side of this equation. So that same culture fitness article referenced toxic traits, right? So again, the way that it the way that it evaluated this was when they did their research, these particular words were more likely to come up than if they were sitting down in an environment that was a healthy culture. So some of those words were 16.5 times more likely to come up was the word bureaucratic, 14 times non-inclusive, 12 times more likely the word disrespectful, uh, 11 and a half times more likely chaotic and complacent. Um, you'll reference earlier in the conversation, the employee focused uh, was seven times more likely in healthy cultures. Inclusive was six times more likely. So the toxic cultures like amplified, those numbers are like double the amount when it's toxic that these words come up. So what if I'm sitting in an environment that either A, I know that that's the case and I want to change it, or B, I'm a leader in this environment and I am starting to feel some level of responsibility for it, but don't know what to do. Um, Becky, what would be your insights as a, as a leader of what can I do if I know that's where we are and I want to change it, or I, I acknowledge that that's where we are and I don't know what to do? Yeah, great question. Um, thousands of examples are going through my mind um, when I think of my outcome here when I communicate. So I think it's, first of all, know yourself. Like you really have to know yourself. And when I say yourself, I'm not talking about just the executive, but those that you know and trust, put them in a room. And that could be your clients, your advisors, your board, your frontline worker. Get a mix and, and really have those open, honest conversations so that you really have a good picture of who you are and then where you want to go. And, and then how do you get there? So yeah. the, I would say it's going to start with your your chief people officer, your human resources, your, you know, engineering, what 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 part of this is making it difficult for the employees? Where is their disrespect occurring? So you need to understand all of that first before you start fixing it. And you really need to have a mix of people in there to help you define that. And it's your customers, it's all the people I had mentioned before. And then once you know where you want to go, what do you tackle first? You can't change everything. I fondly remember a conversation. There was a client that we had. And as soon as 
the CHROs and VPs of HRs learned who that client was. They were like, oh no, I'm out of here. And I knew we were talking to the right person when she goes, oh my God, I would love to work there because they've got so much that needs to be fixed. And it's like, so if you think your culture is a secret and it's inside, it's not. Everybody knows about it. And in, and if it's the right culture, then great, keep going. But if it's a culture you want to change, you know, identify where you want to go and, and um, bring in the right people to help you fix it. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, Becky, there's no hiding. If that's the environment people are working in, there's no hiding from it. You can't think like, oh, if we just don't talk about it, um, nobody's going to even recognize it, right? Because that's the opposite of what's going on. Everyone's recognizing it. And it's that same conversation when we get asked to talk about recruiting, where we so quickly bring it back to, well, let's talk about retention for a sec, right? Let's talk about culture and health of team for, for a bit. And let's figure out what's going on there. So um, share with uh, Becky a couple of other examples. I'd love to have the audience here. You've implemented some things to help. Again, for those who don't know, Centennial is a 48 coming up on 50 year strong organization. And Becky runs the essentially the whole delivery of the uh, service, the core service that gets delivered, executive search and recruiting services, Becky's responsible for, has an entire delivery team and built underneath of her, as well as the business functions that are needed to support said service with excellence to create raving fan-worthy experiences. And Becky, it's a remote team. There are some individuals that don't even reside within a, you know, a, a a drive. They have to fly to the office. Um, but but you have identified ways to create in a virtual world, um, how do we engage differently? How do we show up or convene on a semi-regular basis? How do we meet regularly, like every single day at 8 a.m.? Can you share like some of those delivery team meetings, some of the the check-in calls, because I don't believe that was going on three years ago. These are things that you've implemented to maximize the virtual team, to maximize a more virtual world, and to keep the team together, to really galvanize the experience, to implement new skills, to innovate new ideas, and to serve the clients well. Uh, could you share some of those examples with the team? Yes. Yeah, so years ago, we used to have a popcorn meeting at after lunch, I used to take my bag of popcorn and microwave it, and then the smell would permeate the office and people would come in. So all of a sudden, it became our stand-up meeting. Every every day at 2.30, we had a stand-up meeting. Well, when we moved out of that office and um, we moved down to this beautiful building in Newport, Kentucky, uh, we were able to – we didn't have the popcorn microwave popcorn anyway. So those stand-up meetings went away, but we hired a very wise um, leader in our organization, our director of recruiting. And he's like, we really need to have a, a daily touch base meeting. And I'm like, well, of course we do. So again, I don't have all the answers. People can, my team identifies the gaps, then let's, let's solve it. Let's fill it. So we decided as a team that every morning, not on Mondays, because we do have a team meeting, on a whole company meeting on Mondays, but Tuesday through Friday, we have a team meeting from 8 to 8.30. And, and I'll be honest, I would say we could probably button that up in 15 minutes 
But this is our opportunity because we are remote. We know what's going on. We know each other's dogs because we hear them in the background. We know um, we we learn a lot about each other. We know what happened the previous night. We know whose kids are going to college and what stresses the parents out about that. Um, it's important. That is where we stay connected as people, but we also get great work done. And it's that combination that allows us to be really successful. And, and during that time is usually when I commute to the office. So I'm driving and trying to keep my mouth shut. I try. I keep <laughs> I talk way more than I should um, because it's really about what they're experiencing with the clients and the candidates that counts. Mm hmm. So for those listening, you heard that this idea that was brought to Becky's attention about getting together on a regular, consistent basis, she just said it, she gave credit to someone else, right? Um, a team member said, hey, we should do this, right? Which again, it highlights the point of when you create this kind of environment where you you say you set a vision, here's where we want to go. And then other people say, well, this is areas that I think can help. Can you walk through the delivery team meetings that you lead a little bit as well, that where additional yes. innovations and projects take place? So we have a shared file with tons of documents in it. And that those, the, the most important one is our step-by-step -step recruiting process. I call it the, you know, 199 steps to successfully recruiting. But the most important thing is, is that they are living documents. All of our documents are living. I could have a conversation with a client today and it could probably change five documents. Like that is a brilliant idea. We need to um, do that or listen to another podcast and things. So, so it's always improving. And then quarterly, we have team meetings where we look at our processes. We will be laser focused. We're going to just focus on this one small segment of a process and pick it apart. And not only is it the written thing, but in our business, it's the process that's down on paper. But the most important part is what does that sound like when you're talking about it with a client or a candidate? So we do role playing, but we make it fun. I do have a training background. I try and make things fun, but so there are other people on the team that do too. So there's never a dull moment in these. Um, they're very active and um, participatory because again, I don't have all the answers. I don't want to have all the answers. I want to have this be a team owner owned project. So yeah, we have quarterly delivery team meetings. And those usually go about two weeks right after our EOS meeting or our entrepreneurial operating system meeting, which is our strategy meeting. So where are we at the end of the quarter? And then the delivery team comes right behind that with, okay, here's where we are. We know where we want to go. What gaps can we solve and fill and resolve during this delivery team meeting? Again, with the ultimate goal is to make sure that the clients are more than satisfied and the employees are more than satisfied. Becky, there are a few things. Thank you for sharing all of that. And there are a few things I want to highlight that I see come out of this because I don't personally attend the delivery meetings for Centennial. Um, and I'm not on the 8 a.m. calls regularly. Occasionally I pop in just to see how everyone is doing, which again is part of our culture and part of how I like to lead. But the... Um, 
we talk a lot about conversations and like getting to know your people, caring so much about your people that they know you care so much about them. And you've created this culture where our team knows everyone cares about each other, right? And they're there for them. And you mentioned, you know, people know their dogs, people know their kids and grandchildren and, um, you know, where they're vacationing and where they're getting ready to go and what they're excited about and what restaurant they're visiting over the weekend. Like your team, our team, um, they know each other, right? Which it's no surprise that our engagement scores are so high. And I'll share with those listening, like we've strived to do that. Um, you know, Becky and I have been leading Centennial for, you know, a decade and a half. There's been times where it wasn't that way. And there's such a difference when it is and clients feel it. They can feel the team nature. So when we talk about the aspects of culture, that's not positive, right. And, you know, that's disrespectful or hierarchical or non-inclusive, um, we've strived to build a collaborative learning organization that's innovative and that's employee and team member focused. And you start by having conversations. So in the 8 a.m. calls, in the delivery team meetings, um, there's opportunity to get to know one another, right? So you can start there if you're listening. You don't know where to start. Just get people together and have a conversation. You know, recently I had a team member of mine ask me, hey, I'd like to do a little bit more just casual stuff. Like, you know, maybe we go visit something or we go to a outside activity that has a learning component to it. And or just go out to lunch more because we do, again, have a virtual team. And when we get together on occasion, it's really great. Could we try to do that even if we had a virtual lunch? Could we try to do that differently? These are ways you can show up for your team in this capacity. Um, the other thing that you do in those meetings that I see outcomes from is that you usually put a problem statement in front of everyone and people break it down. I mean, I recently received some output of the last delivery team meeting problem statement and was like, "Woo, that's good, right? Um, like there's power in just putting, even if it's not a quote unquote problem, but it's an area for improvement, putting an area of improvement or what are your all's ideas on this? Like we're sitting literally Becky, uh, Marcus Gardner, our president, myself, and a couple of others might be sitting and working on something. And then Becky's like, you know what? Let's go ask the team what they think. They're the ones doing it. Let's, they're the ones hearing and executing. And they also, we've got really smart people, which I know all of you that are listening do too. The people around you have great ideas and creativity. They just may never have been asked. Um, so again, Becky, I applaud you and demonstrating um, in real time what a fit culture looks like and how others that are listening today can take this conversation and kind of break it down and possibly play it back in their own mind and build a plan and strategy uh, to be more effective. Um, so Becky, a couple uh, rapid fire questions here. What comes to your mind when you think unconventional leadership? Flexible and open-minded and um, growth-minded you know, just because we've done it that way in the past, like, let's turn it on its head. Let's do it differently. Mm. Awesome. And what tools or resources, books, et cetera, um, do you feel like is a great recommendation for somebody who's interesting in their continued learning and development? 
Talent Magnet Institute podcast is great, but I also feel as if I sit in an amazing seat where I get to talk to CEOs, CHROs, and leaders all around the world every day. And I get to ask, what are you most proud of? What would you do different? And, you know, I think in this this age of change, if leaders don't have something that they would do, you know, in the last five years, what what's your do-over? If they can't answer that, then I don't think they're pushing their boundaries. You know, I, I do believe that, you know, there is an element of no regrets. I've learned a lot from that, but share that, you know, here's what I would have done differently. I had a horrible conversation. I wasn't prepared to meet with the client. We made this product and it, we had fun making it, but nobody wants to buy it. You know, those type of confessions, but it's all about what did you take away from that? What did you learn from that? And if you, you know, we're, we're going to make mistakes, but being humble enough to say, Hey, I made a mistake and here's what I learned. I'm not going to make that one again. I think that's the most important thing that we can do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, Becky, thank you for joining us. Um, I greatly appreciate your partnership, your friendship, your support and encouragement uh, and kicking a pants occasionally too. We all need, we all need a friend that's not afraid to, uh, to help guide us and put us in the right headspace and spot. So I could not do any of this without you. Um, I'm very forever grateful for you, Becky. Ditto, Mike. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and inspiration from today's episode. We invite you to join us on this journey of exploration and discovery as we continue to uncover the unconventional approaches and strategies that are shaping the future of leadership. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Unconventional Leadership Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Being an unconventional leader means embracing new ideas and strategies to drive growth and innovation. So keep pushing the boundaries and challenging the status quo. And we'll see you next time on the Unconventional Leadership Podcast.